We're live now. I'm John Evans, and I'm leading a weight loss movement. You've got this image of John in your head, like some dude spouting motivational phrases nonstop on his Facebook feed, like an irritating mother. You know that guy. All the bullshit with the Instagrams talking about how their special low-fat whey protein that they just bought from Walmart with a GNC sticker on it makes you that much more buff. Bullshit in a can. You know that guy. But if you were to meet John on the street, he definitely wouldn't look like a CrossFit superhero. In fact, he wasn't a CrossFit junkie at all. More like a junk food junkie. When we talked to John, he was 434 pounds. We asked ourselves what you're probably asking yourself right now. How can this fat dude be leading a weight loss movement? When John started on his journey, he was 570 pounds. Seriously, 570 pounds. That's more than a quarter ton, and we're convinced slightly heavier than a dumpster. He actually ate like a dumpster, too. Let me just run through my day. Two Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits with a three-count chicken mini for breakfast. Coffee and an orange juice. At 10 o'clock, I'd have like two or three honey buns. At lunch, I'd have a large chicken finger plate from Zaxby's. With a side of cheese curds and an extra side of toast and a large drink. At 3 o'clock, I'd have a Rita's Italian ice, a large Rita's Italian ice. 323. Uh, for dinner, I'd have two chicken breasts from KFC, three biscuits, uh, two sides of mashed potatoes and gravy, and uh, a lemon bump cake, right? And then I'd go have a cigar, and then when I was done with the cigar on the way home, I'd stop at QT, and I'd get two muffins and a donut and a pint of milk, and I'd have that before I went to bed. And then all of that changed. And it definitely wasn't because John just woke up one morning and decided to run a marathon that day. In fact, we almost never got to tell John's story because of a horrible car crash that happened late one night. I want to tell you about just how and why one man is leading a weight loss movement despite being massively overweight himself. And how a car crash almost ended everything. I was averaging between eight and 10,000 calories a day. He was known as Big John. Being overweight was his thing. He'd even do stand-up comedy about it. And everyone would laugh, and he would laugh. And it was easy to laugh at, right? And I'm laughing, and I'm really killing myself. John was killing himself. At 570 pounds, John was lucky to be alive. And he knew it. I'm telling you, it could have been as simple as taking, like, eating a pretzel and having too much salt in it that could have ended my life right there. And it wasn't just affecting his health. But he never did anything about it. Never even wanted to. Why is this such a personal thing? Like, if I know you struggle with alcoholism, 
I'll get my friends together and we'll sit in a circle and we'll talk to you about it, right? I know you're struggling with drugs. I'll get my friends together, we'll talk about it. If I know you're fat, I can clearly see that you're fat by looking right. at you. I can see that you're struggling with something, right. but I won't talk to you about it. It reminds me of the, uh, remember the SNL sketch with Chris Farley? Ah, oh, God, I love these fries. And it was him, David Spade, and uh, Adam Sandler. And they're sitting there, and Chris Farley's like eating fries. Sure, Cindy, go ahead. Oh, God, these are good. Uh, Cindy, can you leave some for us? <laughs> David Spade's like, I thought you were going to die. And like, Chris Farley just goes off on him. Like, off me, man. You know, like, and, that's, and I think that's the reaction that people think you're going to have. Diet starts Monday. <laughs> This was John's story. Remember, he said, I'm telling you, it could have been as simple as taking, like eating a pretzel and having too much salt in it that could have ended my life right there. John living one bad pretzel away from a life-ending heart attack, never bothering to bend down to pick up anything because he just couldn't move all that weight. This would have been John's story if it weren't for one conversation he had with a friend about whether or not this whole paleo fad was all that it was cracked up to be so okay here's the deal we can't use his friend's real name so we're going to be calling him kyle so john and kyle sit down at starbucks where apparently a lot of john's major life decisions take place john all being skeptical about yet another fad diet Kyle is Buddy, a fitness nut and personal trainer. Except Kyle isn't there to just talk to him about paleo. Kyle looks John dead in the eyes and says, He at the end said, listen, uh, God's telling me that I need to train you. And I said, that's great. Did God tell no you where the way. Yeah, I'm like, did God tell you where the money was going to come from? Because just, you know, can't afford it. He's like, I'm not worried about it. So, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he's going to do once a month, right? Maybe he's going to... So, he says, meet me Saturday at Publix at 10 o'clock. And I'm going to show you what you can and can't eat. And then Monday morning at 7 o'clock, we'll jump right in. And what he had in his cart was completely different than what he had been eating. No more donuts, no more fried chicken. I mean, there was stuff like egg whites and Ezekiel bread. By the way, that's a super healthy bread made with whole grains and lentils and no sugars and apparently no carbs. Low salt, low sugar, low fat. So I could still have bread, I could still have rice, so I would have eight ounces of good protein, half a cup of carbs. After just the half hour of walking around Publix, John was hurting. And I, I was miserable at Publix because I, like, at 570 pounds, I couldn't stand up for more than five minutes, right? So, and we're walking around 30 minutes, and I am drenched in sweat. Just walking around the grocery store felt like an extreme workout. But then, Monday morning came. So, Monday morning I show up, and our workout was maybe 15 minutes, right? All I could do. We went out in the parking lot, and he was like, do some side squats. So, you know, where you kind of stand up, and then you step to the side, and you squat, and you stand up, step to the side, and squat. And I could do uh, maybe 10 of those, and I was hurting. And I think there was some other stuff, like he had me do pull-downs, and he was just kind of gauging like where I was physically. And then we walked around the parking lot, and I remember him saying, John, I want you to understand how blessed you are, because most people who are 570 pounds can't walk. 
So anyways, he stayed on top of me. Like, and I just thought I committed to saying, we're just going to do this, right? We're just going to make this happen. That moment where John says, we're just going to do this, right? We're just going to make this happen is huge. But to understand why, we need to take a step back and dig into John's past. See, John wasn't always extremely overweight. He went to an ultra-conservative Baptist college in South Carolina, where his dad was a professor. They would go to the gym together each day. It was a pretty cool bonding experience. John started out at 330 pounds, but it wasn't long before he shed the weight. Along with it came some fantastic self-confidence. I'm going to be honest, I look like a freaking god. And even though John looked like a freaking god, he still loved food and loved to eat. When he hit 220 pounds, down from 300 plus pounds just a few months earlier, he celebrated by going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and gorging himself. He got that physique because his dad was a cool guy to hang out with. His dad was his motivation to go to the gym. He wasn't committed to it. And that physique and that new confidence inspired him to do the unthinkable, to drop out of college. And then he landed a job at the last place you'd think an ultra-conservative Baptist kid would end up. I should have graduated in 2001. Um, but I still had two more years of school left, so I said, forget this, I'm done with college, I don't need college, I'm going to go get a job, I've got a great personality I can go sell, and I couldn't find a job, so I got a job working in, in a place of ill repute. Bouncing at a strip club. So, like, legitimately not a place I should have been. out after three nights of working there and my car had been stolen. In my head, like I was raised super strict fundamental Baptist, and so I'm thinking, like, this is God's way of telling me that I could have killed you or broken your neck, but I just had your car stolen. So stop doing this. It clearly wasn't a lasting wake-up call because his bad habits continued, and more than a few pounds heavier after working at the strip club, John and his bad habits ended up in Colorado working at a new sales job. And I'm telling you, that was absolutely one of my favorite times of my life. Colorado is amazing. I love Greenville, but if an opportunity arose in Colorado Springs or Manitou Springs, I would go in a heartbeat. Like, I remember the day I got there, this was, <laughs> this is so dumb, but I was driving into Colorado uh, from Texas. To get to Colorado from Texas, you actually have to go through Oklahoma but whatever. And the sun was like, it was like a movie. The sun was setting. And then I see the big rock Colorado sign that says, welcome to Colorado. And then a literally, I kid you not, a tumbleweed rolls across the road. And I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I get there, Sunday morning I get up, and I go in, I'd left my shoes in the truck that was moving, it was still coming across the country, so I had to go to church Sunday morning, so I went to Walmart, I bought a pair of the Puritan dress shoes, you know, for like five bucks, and, uh, but as soon as I go to walk in, my mom calls me, 
and I, and I turn around before going in. Pike's Peak is like right there. Like I felt like I could reach out and touch it. And it literally took my breath away. He was so close to such beauty. That caused John to strap on his shoes and begin to hike. And he accidentally got back into shape. So my love of all that, I just kept hiking, right? I would go, I would go to work. My territory was East Coast, so I would work from 7.30 to 3.30. I would wear my hiking clothes because it was phone work, so nobody knew. And at 3.30, I would get in my car and drive a mile to a national park known as Garden of the Gods and just walk for sometimes hours. And you could, you could walk for years and never see the same thing. But it was never an active, purposeful commitment to being physically fit. Both times, when he was working out in college with his dad and now in Colorado, fitness happened to him. It was always just a passive choice. That's how John lived. Passive. Reactionary. Living in Colorado led to more than just sore muscles. So we'll come back to John's time in Colorado in a bit. For now, fast forward from the beautiful mountains of Colorado to that grocery store in South Carolina where John is drenched in sweat, just walking around, being forced to buy lean chicken breast to grill instead of eating fried. And John drenched in sweat in a parking lot where his trainer was amazed that he could even walk. By the time John and Kyle had that conversation about eating paleo, John had ballooned to 570 pounds. That's how Kyle found him. And he fought alongside John and was helping him battle his own bad habits and mental trash that had gotten him to 570 pounds from the 220 pounds he was back in college. And that battle was going well. We weighed three days in. And his trainer said, I got a surprise for you. And I'm thinking, oh, would, you, would you buy me a car? You know, like, and he's like, no, we're going to go weigh. So we went and weighed. And so how was that? 10, day, uh, 10 pounds down in, in three days, like just down. And then we weighed again on Monday and I was down like another 18. So it was, it was like 28 pounds in the first week. John was losing weight. But was it because he was really committed or just because Kyle was motivating him to lose weight, kind of like his father was so many years ago. A few weeks in, John was cruising through the pounds, dropping them like it was hot. And then late one night, driving down the interstate, Kyle was in a horrific accident. His body physically crushed, struggling to survive. Meanwhile, John had a struggle of his own. 
trying to keep his dream of weight loss alive. For the first time in a long time, he was on his own. In the coming days and months, John would learn more about Kyle's life, who Kyle really was, what he was up to, everything he didn't know beyond the training. We can't talk about what was going on, but it was some pretty horrible stuff. So that's why we've chosen to withhold his trainer's name. Regardless of what was actually going on, it left John in a really bad place. Despite all the demons surrounding Kyle's life, the part of the story we really want to tell you but can't, he was exactly what John needed. An imperfect person arriving at the perfect time to help John. While Kyle was battling for his life in the hospital bed, John is faced with a battle of his own. Perhaps just as tough, too. He could quit because Kyle couldn't train him anymore. Remember what happened when his father stopped working out with him? Or John could find another place and perhaps another person to help him train. This is where the story gets even more complex. See, twice, once in college and again in Colorado, John lost people he was extremely close with. Both, in fact, happened to be fiancés he thought he would marry. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's Diana. Diana. Yeah. So, so Diana, out of the blue, just says... This girl's name was Janessa. So... That year that I had lost all that weight, a young lady called me, and there's the college I went to, there was a thing called reverse courtesy, right? So the girls could ask the guys out, otherwise it was totally taboo. So she called me on reverse courtesy, and she said, hey, I want to go to a movie with you. Never seen this girl before in my life. And so we sit down, and all right, no, I say, well, let's meet, and we'll talk about what we're going to do. So we met. I'm looking for, like, I moved out to Colorado, so I don't know anybody, right? Like, literally moved out there, just don't know a soul. And so I'm at work one day, and I say, hey, I'm looking for a church to get involved with. And one of the ladies says, hey, my church needs a youth pastor. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I just want to go. And she's like, no, seriously, you know, it's really a big mess. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll meet her. So we met, and she was gorgeous. Like, just gorgeous. So I was like, okay, well, I'll meet her. And so we met one night at Starbucks, and she walks in the door, and I mean, just whoa, like whoa. And I mean, we went and, we went and watched The Wizard of Oz with a couple thousand other super conservative, fundy uh, brothers and sisters. Well, one night I was over at Janessa's house, and she had a roommate, and her roommate played the piano. And I was singing, and the roommate was playing the piano. And so that went on, and I went home, and I went to bed. And at 2 o'clock that morning, I get a phone call. 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was like, hello? She said, hey, it's Janessa. And I was like, I mean, okay, what's up? She goes, well, I wanted to tell you that I got really jealous of you when you were singing with Carrie. And I said, uh, what do you mean? And she said, well, I told Carrie that, and Carrie told me I needed to call you and tell you. She says, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, I like you. And I was like, okay, let's get married. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I said, obviously. But like, I'm like, well, what, you know, 
first of all, let's go, let's get some sleep, right? Let's sleep on it. And then we'll wake up in the morning. Um, so we got engaged and then, yeah. We did a week and then we went up to Pikes Peak. We rode the cog up. I was nervous the whole way. And I put, uh, will you marry me in super tiny print? And like put them in the binoculars. And so we got up there and I was looking at things through the binoculars, quote unquote, right? And uh, she was like, let me see the binoculars. I'm like, hold on. I'm using them right now. And she got upset and she jerked them out of my hands and looked through them and she started to cry. And she was like, oh. Oh, sure. I mean, so it went well for a while. She was a cosmetologist, which now wasn't relevant to me since I'm totally bald, but she used to do my hair all the time, and she would, she was a great, like, great with hair. Like, phenomenal. And mom and dad loved her. Like, free haircuts, right? I mean, that's not why they fucking... Um, there was a lot of negativity there, right? Like, my, my mom and dad didn't like her, right? So they would not support us being together. And then... And forth, so she came and lived here for a while, and then she went back home because her mom was going through some stuff, and it was just back and forth a lot. And I just, I started thinking, yeah, this, I don't know, maybe this isn't gonna work, you know. It just, it didn't work. Like we, we, I feel like sometimes, and this, I don't want to make this sound like it's her fault because it's not. When you like put a ring on it, there's like a flip that, or like a switch that flips on, right? And they're like. See, they go from being, I'm really just trying to impress you, or, you know, to now, like, all bets are off. Like, if we're in this to, to win this, then I'll just be myself, and you have to get over it. And so as that happened, I was like, I, I can't. And it was, I talked to her on the phone one day, and I don't remember what she, I don't remember what she said, but I remember hanging up the phone and looking at my mom and saying to my mom, I don't know. My mom's like, what? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what are you gonna do? You gotta call her. I said, no, I gotta go. So I called her, um, and I said, hey, I'm gonna come see you. So literally, I drove up there. It was an eight-hour, nine-hour trip. I got up there. I remember the day we broke up. It was a Sunday. Um, I had, I, I found out in that span of time that I had some good friends that I grew up with that they lived in Colorado Springs. So we broke up, and I went to church with them, and I just sat there. I mean, it's, it was heart-wrenching, right? Like, just saying, Diana, this is not going to work. And her, she's sobbing, and I'm sobbing. And I went to church with them, and I just sat there sobbing. After each breakup, John would go back to the same bad habits that got him to 570 pounds. Drowning his sorrows in 64-ounce Big Gulp sodas. Now he was faced with a third loss. An important decision. Another close companion seemed to be ripped from his life. Confused and upset, frustrated, bewildered. John didn't know where to turn. He could go back to the one constant in his life that provided comfort, food, or he could commit to dealing with his excessive weight on his own. But remember, 
John had never really been able to commit to anything and stick with it for the long haul, especially relationships. Kyle, up to this point, was his one shining glimpse of hope. And now, that too was gone. So John was left with a choice, quit or keep going. As simple as it sounds, John felt overwhelmed at the time. But then he remembered his thoughts, what he had been thinking in that very important first workout, where he said, We're just going to do this, right? We're just going to make this happen. As he replayed the conversation in his mind, it just clicked. He figured it out. He stopped being passive. Passive about his health, passive about his relationships, passive about the entire way he had lived his life up to this point. John stopped being afraid of commitment and decided to deal with his food addiction. John decided to wage war against himself to save himself from himself. And wage war he did. But first, he needed help. And in walked Tommy, Tommy Lessing, at Southern Moon CrossFit. Yeah, my name's um, Tommy Lessing. Um, I'm the third um, in the family. Um, and I'm a CrossFit Level 1 trainer here at Southern Moon uh, CrossFit in Greenville. Or rather, in walked John. This is Southern Moon CrossFit. Yeah, CrossFit. That's where we started this story, didn't we? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? At close to 440 pounds, John starts doing CrossFit. We went to one of John's workouts to see it for ourselves. All right. How are you feeling? You ready? Oh, we're going straight into it? It was pretty brutal. 30 squats, 30 sit-ups, 30 kettlebell swings. 30 box jumps, um, 30 burpees, 30 wall balls. Um, but again, we'll scale those. Um, like obviously. Sweat flying everywhere, weights dropping, muscles job, popping. Ten more of those. Ten more. But despite the brutality. This is the, this is the first workout that I've done. Not today, but at CrossFit in general, where I have to bring a change of shirts. Because if I get in my car like this, I'll soak it. But despite the brutality, John keeps coming back. The thing that I love about this place is the community, right? Like the first day I walked in here, people were just awesome. And you know, so you meet people, you get to know them. Maybe it's the community. But I think it's something different. This time, he's committed. So here's the thing. When John was in college dating Diana, he had a radically different view of commitment than he does now. Back then, he just didn't understand what it meant to be able to work through the pain. Now, years later, tough decisions behind him, hard choices ahead of him, he's way more committed to his health. I mean, when we talked to him a few months after Kyle's accident, nothing else had gone wrong. The weight was dropping off. Like the first week was seven, second week was five. It's been here two and a half weeks now, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So 12 yeah. out of the 141. So in the back of my mind, I got to wondering, 
what would happen if John started gaining weight? I mean, I didn't want him to do that, but what if it did happen? Every week, John posts a new video about what he's been doing over the past few days and how much weight he's lost. Usually, he films these from inside his car. In one video posted about a month after we talked with him in the gym, he's sitting in the driver's seat, parked of course, shortly after Thanksgiving, wearing a black polo size 3XL. And this is what he says next. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Don't Wait US. It is another rainy, dreary Monday here in Greenville, South Carolina. I hope you guys are doing super well. So here's the thing. Today was weigh-in day, as you know, which is why you're watching this video. It is a harsh reality, right? This is the first time in six and a half, almost seven months that I've put on weight. I don't know why. So much for the weight just dropping off. And then, like so many of us, he gained more weight over Christmas, pushing him up to 393 pounds. Sausage balls, sweet Jesus, sausage balls. Just the best. At the end of January, we met up with John at Furman University, about six and a half miles, or a quick 15-minute drive, north of Greenville, South Carolina. He was there with the Don't Wait community, the group he had put together. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good. This is Becca, Becca Cage. It's very nice to meet you. Nice and this is Matt, Matt nice Cage. Nice to meet you. And that's Will. Hi. Will, Becca. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll wait for you right here. How you feeling? Good. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm ready to start walking. They were there to run, walk, jog, whatever it took to get across the finish line at the Heroes 5K. We fell in line with members of the Don't Wait community, including Will Parker, who is going to be the second voice you hear. Don't forget, John's done Don't Wait multiple times in the past. In fact, I think from our last conversation, he mentioned it was 2009 when he first put together the program. I had to know, what's different this time? 2,000 plus days, seven years, months and months of eating, talking, walking, trying to lose weight. What's different this time around? And don't wait in the past. Here's the big difference. Don't wait in the past has been about making money for me, right? Now it's about helping other people. So I have to do I mean, I feel like I have to do it. And it helps because I've committed to if I do, if I eat something I'm not supposed to. Uh, Mick, you guys go ahead. We'll catch up with you here in a little bit. Uh, if I eat something we're not supposed to, then I have to talk about it. And I don't want to do that. Committed. For the first time in multiple conversations with John, we heard the word commitment. From John's mouth, he was committed, and he understood what that meant. I mean, not to sound overly easy in the answer, but I mean, it's just, it's 180 degrees, right? 
Monday, February 1st, coming up is eight months. Like eight months ago, I wouldn't have even like legitimately thought about it. I was literally not trying to do anything to lose weight. Quite the opposite, actually. I mean, I was consuming 10,000 calories a day. And now, I mean, it's, I feel amazing. But it's a, it's a thought process, right? So in fitness and nutrition, 90% of it is nutrition, but it's also 90% mental, right? Which is 180 degrees. Oh, 180, look at that, that's going to this peak. To everyone else around you, it doesn't seem like you've changed much at all, at least right away. But over time, the commitment you feel takes over what you do. And when what you do changes for long enough, everything around you changes as well. If you want to know more about John, what he's up to now, see pictures of John across his weight loss journey, head on over to our website at ordinaryheroespodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Say hey to us. Say hey to John for that fact. For that fact? For that matter. Whatever. Do your thing. Sign up to get notified of new stories as we share them. If you have your own new ordinary hero you think we should talk to, you can always find me at Dan Waldo on the Twitter. By the way, leave us a review. All five stars are better. Actually, you can put whatever number of stars you want in there. But reviews, let us know that you think what we're doing is awesome. In the meantime, stay edgy, be awesome. <laughs>